Chapter twenty eight of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Barron's Father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty eight Monfalcone Camouflaged Roads A Peep at Trieste. The car turned up in good time, and the officer, guide, and myself were driven off in the direction of Monfalcone. On the way, we stopped at the interesting old village of Aquilia. This is the site of an old Roman town of the same name, and contains a wonderful old church dating from that period. Part of this church was once a Roman swimming bath or something of the kind, and had an amazing mosaic floor. When I was there, some antique employees of the church were endeavoring to restore this marvelous floor, which had been broken and obscured in many parts. Restoring it consisted mainly in searching through endless piles of rubbish for the minute particles of mosaic, and piecing them together. Solving a jigsaw puzzle is child's play compared to this. Outside the church, in a charming cypress tree graveyard, one of the ancient walls had a large marble slab fixed to it bearing a short inspired verse by Gabriel D'Annunzio, the famous Italian poet. A few minutes afterwards I saw the poet himself inside the church looking round its ancient, inspiring relics. We went on from here to Monfalcone. Monfalcone, what a mess it was in. Here was the same old war that I knew. Tangled masses of plaster, iron, and brickwork that once were houses. It is a typical Italian-looking town, and before being demolished in this way must have been a pleasant spot to live in. Judging by the look of the camouflaged roads which we encountered on the way there, the Austrian artillery must have been a big nuisance. The town, of course, was entirely denuded of civilians, which fact was very apparent as we drove through its deserted streets. We had to be careful, though, as at any moment a bother might break out and a lively shelling commence. The car was left at a good hidden spot, where chances of its being hit were remote, and we got out to walk the rest of the time. We examined the town, and I made sundry sketches and took a few photographs. Nothing but ruin and desolation everywhere. Now for the docks. That was the star turn of Monfalcone, which boasts of quite a big shipping yard situated, of course, on the Adriatic. The docks are some way from the town, so we fished the car out again for this job. We drove down an elaborately camouflaged road. These are just ordinary roads, with a screen constructed from a kind of rush matting fixed up on the side nearest the enemy. The appearance of these roads from a distance is just like the rest of the country. Of course, this doesn't prevent the enemy from firing at such roads which they know exist, but it prevents deliberate aim at a definite object, and therefore it would probably be a sheer waste of shells to fire on the off chance of hitting something. It's not a very nice sensation driving along these camouflaged roads, but there it is, and the danger is not really great. We reached the outskirts of the docks, hid the car, and walked on to them. We had now arrived at the nearest point for a view of Trieste. It was a stifling hot day. A blazing sun shone out of a cloudless blue sky with true southern vigor. The ground had that trembling haze over it from the heat. We entered the shipbuilding sheds, and the first thing that caught my eye was a bit of machinery stamped with the name of a famous English firm of shipbuilding engineers. I roamed about all over these yards. Several Austrian submarines, all rusty and derelict and dry dock, caught my eye. The Austrians had shinned off out of Monfalcone very quickly, and had been obliged to leave these things behind them. We were joined by an Italian officer or two who knew all about this place. 
They led us further into the maze of silent, deserted dockyards. I listened to an unintelligible torrent of sound from one of these men who was talking to my officer guide. When interpreted, I found it meant that there was a large half-finished liner in the docks, inside which the Italians had made an observation post, and from which it was possible to get the best view of Trieste. I was keen on this, so we all made for the ship. It was a monster. A great wall of rusty iron plates seemed to spring out of the earth and tower upwards above our heads. We walked alongside this metallic mammoth and arrived at a set of wooden steps which ran up its side. I followed the others up this stairway, temperature about four hundred degrees, I should think. It was a real scorching day. Impossible to touch the iron side of the ship without burning your fingers. The ladder led us up onto some deck or other, and we proceeded along a dark corridor towards the sharp end of the boat, by which I mean the part farthest from the rudder. The walk down this stifling corridor being over, we arrived at a sort of wooden hut built up inside the ship and turned into a telegrapher's and observer's office. The heat here was almost unbearable. The sun was streaming down on this huge iron box of a ship, and inside there was not a breath of air. It was all I could do to evince an interest in Trieste. Someone handed me a pair of German binoculars, and I looked out through a narrow slot cut in the side of the ship. I saw Trieste. It was about as interesting as seeing Tunbridge Wells from Clapham on a clear day. However, I didn't want to dishearten the Italians in their quest, so I remarked that it was very interesting. One could just see a lot of blue hills with a town of the Monfalcone order, only larger, at their base. I turned away from the slot in the ship's side and handed the binoculars to someone else to have a look. The close, oppressive heat was terrific. I had seen Trieste and that was enough for me. When every one of the party had satisfied his gloating ambitions by looking at Trieste, we returned from the ship to the car. No shelling interrupted our movements. All was silent, hot, and rusty in that shipyard. We bade farewell to the officers who had kindly shown us round, and then drove back towards Udine. I knew the war in the plains fairly well by now, and subsequently had several experiences in the way of seeing more trenches and more troops. I went to all sorts of battalion headquarters and saw the Italian soldiers in every phase of their life on the plains. By the time I had seen all this, I felt I knew the war on the Carso. Gorizia, Monfalcone, Udine, Trieste, all this was a definite story to me. Now for what I was after most, the war in the mountains. I applied to the authorities for permission and extorted a promise that I should go there. I waited in Udine for the day on which I should be permitted to start, and in the meantime was invited to a famous dinner which I must really describe. End of chapter 28 Recording by Philip Gould